You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. You want to be like David? I want to be like David. You know what it means to be like David? You got to love your father and love your father's sheep so much that you're willing to go out and face the lion. That takes courage. That takes faith. You want to be like David? You got to go out and face the bear. You want to be like David? When even the king, King Saul, won't go out and face Goliath and none of the other soldiers will go out, you will go out, not with their armor. You'll go out by faith just with your little shepherd's outfit and your little sling and five smooth stones. It can be easy to look at the biblical characters and think, I want to be just like them. The Apostle Paul had success in his ministry, Moses led a nation out of slavery, and David was a great king. But Pastor Danny reminds you to look at more than just the successes of these faithful followers of God. Each of them faced hardships, even the threat of death. They had to be courageous and trust completely in God at many uncertain times. And they weren't perfect. God used them, though, and He can use you, too, if you're willing. Now, here's Pastor Danny in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, with today's edition of The Living Word. To every nation for all generations, together in love, we'll move mountains by faith, until all have tasted, seen, and heard the power of the living First and Second Timothy, both written by the Apostle Paul, and yet both very unique. Uh, for example, if you found Second Timothy now, if you just keep a finger there, a marker there, and just turn back a couple of pages to First Timothy, and look at the introduction, verse two of First Timothy. Paul says to Timothy, "My true son in the faith." He tells us in chapter 3 of that letter, verses 14 and 15, that the reason he's writing is so that people would know how to conduct themselves in the church, God's household. It's an entirely practical letter. Then you get to 2 Timothy. Now, look at the opening. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. And Notice verse 2. To Timothy, my dear son, my dear son. While 1 Timothy is entirely practical, 2 Timothy, listen, is intensely personal. And there's a reason for that. 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul tells Timothy, I leave you in Ephesus, and the reason I'm leaving you as Ephesus is that you may command certain men not to teach false doctrines, nor to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. So this is the first time we know of that Timothy has an assignment, a very tough assignment, that his spiritual father will not be by his side. Timothy is now becoming a leader himself. He's still young. He's totally different in terms of personality than the Apostle Paul, and yet Paul leaves him back in Ephesus for this responsibility. And then Paul goes away, and uh, while Paul is away, things get tough for Timothy. Well, things get tough for Paul, too, after leaving, Paul ends up being arrested 
he goes to prison in Rome, but then he's let out of prison after a while, and he goes through lots of places teaching. And from Macedonia, he writes 1 Timothy and Titus. And then sometime around AD 67, Paul is arrested again. And from his prison cell, he writes 2 Timothy. A year later, Paul was beheaded. He'll say in this letter in chapter 4, the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. This is his last letter. These are the last words that Timothy would hear from his spiritual father. Intensely personal letter. Now, let's look at what he has to say to Timothy. To Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience. As night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. He's praying for him all the time. Recalling your tears. Why was Timothy crying? Because the responsibility he had was tough. And he got chewed up and spit out sometimes by these false teachers and sometimes by other churches. Paul would write to the church at Corinth and say, now Timothy's coming to you, and when he comes, you make sure he has nothing to fear. What would he have to fear from the church? (laughs) Don't get me started. (laughs) Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. In other words, Timothy, I know you're really saved. For this reason, I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. After Timothy received Christ through Paul's ministry in Lystra, Paul, at some point after Timothy received Christ, laid hands on him, prayed for him, and God gave Timothy a supernatural gift, probably a teaching gift, a speaking gift. But now he's pulled back, shed a lot of tears. And then Paul says, listen, you fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For, verse 7, God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So, Don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord. That means Timothy had gotten to the point where he's ashamed to testify about the Lord. Or ashamed of me, his prisoner. Timothy was ashamed that he was linked up with the Apostle Paul. That's amazing. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we've done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of, of time. Is that fascinating that God had the plan laid out before time began? And he knew my name would be in the Lamb's book of life one day. But it's now been revealed through the appearing, appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. What's Paul doing here? He's exhorting Timothy. He's encouraging him. Timothy's pulled back because, man, (laughs) tough assignment, tough responsibility, tough job. I don't know when Timothy first got saved through Paul's ministry if he had any inkling at all of the pain along the path that God had called him to. I don't know. Paul's one of those unique guys that when he did get saved, God told him right away, right away, 
how much he's going to suffer for the name of Jesus. If God gave us a a video of what life was going to be like when we committed our lives to Jesus Christ, what it's going to be like between now and heaven, I don't know how that might have affected some of us. Aren't you kind of thankful he didn't show you? Might have had second thoughts. It's a painful path. I think it's probably safe to say when Timothy received Christ and Paul became his spiritual father, I think it's pretty safe to suggest at least Timothy admired Paul greatly, looked up to him, wanted to be like him. Saul of Tarsus, who became the Apostle Paul, was a go-getter kind of guy. You read that about his life. I mean, he was a, he was a confident man. He was a bold man. He was a get-things-done kind of man. Timothy wasn't like that at all. Timothy's a shy kind of guy. He gets sick a lot. You know, he's not uh, out charismatic. That You don't get that impression about the guy. They're totally different in their personality, but I think Timothy looked at Paul and he said, man, I want to be like him one day. Whenever you read the Bible or hear teaching or watch movies like Moses, I mean, every time I've seen Moses, my wife watches that movie Moses with Charlton Heston every single year. Every year she watches it. Sometimes I watch it with her. And every time I watch it, I want, I'm Moses. I'm Charlton Heston. I mean, wouldn't you be? Come on. Yeah, you, and if you hear about David, you know, David, here's David sent by his dad to check on the brothers, the two brothers that are in the Israeli army, and they're supposed to be fighting, but when he gets on the scene, nobody's fighting. Here's this big galoot named Goliath. He's cursing Israel, cursing their God, and even their king, King Saul, won't go out and stand against the dude. Well, whenever I read the story or, or hear the teaching on the story, I'm David. I'm not Saul. I mean, who is, I'm going to be Saul today. No, I'm David. I'm there. I got my sling, you know, and I'm, I'm going out, and I've got five smooth stones, and I first shot, hit Goliath right in the forehead. He falls down. I take his sword. I chop his head off. I take his head back into town, and I overnight become a national hero. Danny Hodges. David. <laughs> no, I know most of you. You know me. You've been around. You're not surprised today. You say, yeah, you're David. Oh, come on. You're just trying to encourage me, aren't you? You want to be like David? I want to be like David. You know what it means to be like David? you got to love your father and love your father's sheep so much that you're willing to go out and face the lion. That takes courage. That takes faith. You want to be like David? you got to go out and face the bear. You want to be like David? When even the king, King Saul, won't go out and face Goliath, and none of the other soldiers will go out, you will go out, not with their armor. You'll go out by faith. Just with your little shepherd's outfit and your little sling and five smooth stones. Whenever I read the story about the disciples in the boat and the storm is raging and Jesus is in the mountain praying and he's looking down at them and they don't know he's watching them, but he's always watching. He knows you're in the storm. Jesus comes walking in the midst of the storm at night. If you know the story, they see him and they think he's a ghost. They think they're going to die. Jesus says, don't be afraid. It's me. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come to you on the water. The storm is still raging. Peter gets out of the boat. Oh, I know. He got his eyes. After a while, he got his eyes off Jesus and onto the storm. He began to sink, and Jesus pulls him up and says, oh, where is your fate? But he's the only one out of those 12 apostles that knows what it is to walk on water. You want to be like Peter? You got to step out of the boat in the midst of the storm. Gideon. Oh, he's one of my favorite characters. Because he's not naturally bold. He's hiding from the Midianites. He's 
uh, threshing wheat in a wine press because the Midianites are ravaging the land. And the angel of the Lord comes by his wine press and says, Oh, mighty warrior, God's called you to face the enemy. Lead your people to victory. He's thinking, you, I don't accuse God of making a mistake, but you got the wrong wine press today, pal. But he goes, and repeatedly God has to encourage him, and he throws out the fleece. And, but he's got 30,000 people, 30,000 men. But it's an innumerable Midianite army, and God says to him, you got too many. Go tell them if anybody's afraid, they can go home. He says, anybody afraid, you can go home. And I think it was 23,000, 22, 23,000 went home. Now with a few thousand left, God said, you still got too many. Take them down to the brook, get something to drink. And he sends it down to 300 men. And then God gives Gideon the plan. Here's the plan. Break your men into three groups, 100 each, and uh, take clay pots, torches, and trumpets. And at your command, you tell your men, at my command, here's what you do. Break your pots, shine your lights, blow your trumpets, and, and shout out, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. That's the plan against an innumerable, innumerable Midianite army. And so they go out <laughs> in their 100 groups, you know, and they're stationed around this vast army. And Gideon says, okay, guys, blow your trumpets, break your, break your jars, shine your lights, and shout, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And God, with just those 300 men of faith, defeated a vast army. 30,000 men had the opportunity to experience that victory, but only 300 did. But if you're going to be like him, it takes courage. It takes faith. Being someone great for God and doing great exploits in his name has a price tag attached to it. And that price tag is strength, courage, and endurance. The path of following Jesus Christ is paved with tough times. If you're worth your salt. And Timothy's experienced that now. And Timothy has pulled back. He is, listen, he's discouraged. It means to deprive of courage, confidence, or energy to inhibit. Keeps you from moving on. Don't raise your hand. Anybody ever been discouraged? Don't raise your hand. Anybody discouraged today? I was discouraged Friday when I went to bed. I was really discouraged. Then I woke up thinking about the same thing that discouraged me Friday night. I woke up Saturday morning and I was discouraged. Not because I'm sick. I wasn't discouraged because I'm sick. But before I tell you why, I was discouraged. Because I know that's what you're thinking. What, what, what were you discouraged about, Pastor Dan? I spent at least a couple of hours the other day just looking at scriptures related to encouragement, and I was so encouraged that my God is an encourager. He's not a discourager. He's an encourager. Uh, Deuteronomy, I, I'm just going to go through some of these. I couldn't give you even a quarter of all that I went through. We just don't have the time this morning, but... Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 37, related to Moses. Because of you, Moses says, the Lord became angry with me, and he said, you shall not enter it, the promised land. But, verse 38, your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him. Encourage him. Because he will lead Israel to inherit it. In other words, Moses, don't get bent out of shape because your mistake keeps you from going into the land of promise, and I'm going to use your servant. He's going to lead the people. You don't get an attitude, you encourage him. Chapter 3 of Deuteronomy, verse 28. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land. 
Judges chapter 20. Judges chapter 20. Don't have time to give you the background, but the Israelites are fighting against some of their brothers, the Benjamites. And they go out in the first battle, verse 21, the Benjamites came out of Gibeah and cut down 22,000 Israelites on the battlefield that day. That's discouraging. But the men of Israel encouraged one another and again took up their positions where they had stationed themselves the first day. And they go out the second time. They could have quit. They could have just said, there's no way we can do this. Look how many people died. But they didn't. They encouraged one another. And encouraging one another, they went back into battle, and God gave them a great victory. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Second Chronicles 32 Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and his vast army is coming against Israel. Hezekiah is the king, and Hezekiah now, knowing uh, the army that's coming against him and his people, he makes preparations. And verse 6, part of the preparations, he appointed military officers over the people, and he assembled them before him in the square at the city gate, and he encouraged them with these words, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there's a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of the flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people gained confidence from what Hezekiah, the king of Israel, said. They were encouraged. Acts chapter 15 Acts chapter 15, after the council of elders in the church met in Jerusalem to discuss and debate what some Christians were saying and Christian leaders saying, well, it's okay to believe in Jesus. We know that. He is the Messiah, but that's not enough. You've got to be circumcised too, according to the law of Moses. They debated the issue. They came to a, a right conclusion. They write a letter to the Gentile churches, and when they chose the men that were to take the letter. Verse 30 of chapter 15, the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. They needed encouragement. Scripture after scripture after scripture. Paul would send Timothy sometimes with the express purpose of just letting a church know how Paul and the ministry was doing, and to encourage them. He'd send Tachikas and sometimes and do the very same thing. You find it over and over again. I love places, too, like 1 Thessalonians. You want some encouragement? Encouragement. By the way, one of the best places to find encouragement is the Word of God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I asked, what, a week or two ago in a message, I asked uh, if you lost someone that you know and, uh, to death, and so many people raised their hands. So many people. I love 1 Thessalonians 4. Brothers, verse 13, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. That's the way God describes believers who die. Now, just their body is asleep. They're with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Their bodies will be resurrected one day. We believe Jesus died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And then he says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Miss my mother still today. Miss my grandmother still today, but I know where they are. I'm going to see them again. I don't grieve without hope. I still grieve, but I don't grieve without hope. I grieve with hope. 
and a solid hope. Not I hope I'm going to see again. I hope. It's a solid hope. I know I'm going to see him again. How can you be at peace? Unless you have hope beyond this life. How can you know you're going to say goodbye to the husband you love? Unless you know you're going to see him again. How can you be at peace unless you have a firm confidence that you know where he's going and you know you'll be with him again one day? What a hope. You talk about encouragement. Listen to the way Romans 15 puts it. Romans 15 and verse 4. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. You know what? There's somebody right here, right now, you don't have that hope. You don't have it. Because, because if you're honest with yourself, and be honest with yourself, you know you've never really been born again. You may know all about Jesus. You may have grown up in the church. Or you may, who knows, maybe it's your first time in the church. And who knows what your background is. It doesn't matter your background. Jesus said, unless a man is born again, he'll never see the kingdom of heaven. Stop playing Russian roulette with your soul. Why don't you get, get off the fence of life and get on board a one-way ticket to heaven. Come on. Come on. Come on, you're here this morning, God's speaking to you right now. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to, and no, no half-heartedness here now. You, you're either going to jump in with everything or don't jump in. Don't go half-hearted. Say no to your life and say no to anything in this life that would keep you from eternal life. Come on, that's you. Come on, let's get serious about it. Let's bow our heads. Come on, bow your head. And that's you, God's speaking to you. You pray this prayer. You don't have to pray it out loud. God's listening. He hears your heart. You say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Forgive me. Come into my life. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Now help me to live for you the rest of this life. In Jesus' name, amen. My God's a God of encouragement. I'll tell you, I, I was so discouraged Friday night when I went to bed. And then Saturday morning I woke up and I was discouraged about the very same thing. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for a long time. I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. But I'm still so imperfect. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for not saying amen. <laughs> I appreciate that. We're out to dinner, my wife and uh, some friends Friday night, and we're all going to an event together after dinner. And so we have a time schedule to keep. And we went to this restaurant, second time we've been to it. But uh, the restaurant was very crowded. So I'm wondering, you know, should we go somewhere else? We stayed there because I noticed a table outside. There were tables outside, too. And there was a table outside. And there was only one couple sitting at it, but it would seat six. And there were four of us. And so I went up to the gentleman at the table and the lady, and I said, uh, I said, would you mind if me and my, my friends join you? You don't even have to talk to us. And they not only invited us to join them, they said, no, we invite you to converse with us too. And so we had some new friends. And a waitress let us order and become a part of their party, and so we're back on track in terms of time. And as we talked, church came up, and um, uh, the guy immediately said, I'm Catholic. 
but I don't go to church. And I said, well, really? He said, yeah, there's too many hypocrites there. And my classic line I could have used at that point, I didn't use because, I, you know, my classic line there is, well, where else do you expect to find hypocrites? You've been listening to another edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges. The Living Word is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Petersburg, Florida. We're so glad that you took the time today to learn more from the book of 2 Timothy. The Apostle Paul wrote some very wise words and advice to Timothy, encouraging him to keep pressing on to a greater goal than the things even in this world. This is a timely word for you today. Don't get stuck in a rut of worries or allow the world to squash your hopes down in despair. Keep pushing forward towards a goal and a prize that Jesus wants to gift to you. If you enjoyed hearing from Pastor Danny today and would like to listen to other teachings, feel free to visit our teaching archive at ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab. If you don't yet have a church to call home, we would love to have you join us. Calvary Chapel Fellowship meets on Saturday nights at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. Feel free to come just as you are. If you're unable to be with us in person, you're always welcome to join us in our live stream services. Find the link to that as well as our YouTube channel on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's it for today, but thanks for tuning in with Pastor Danny to learn more from the book of 2 Timothy as we dive into The Living Word.